0: This is the Simi Sarah show on demand subscribe now on iTunes listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the radio player app well if you live in the city of Vancouver watch your mail because empty homes declarations are going to be sent out in the mail starting today now Melanie Kerr is a director of financial services at the city of Vancouver and she talked about how the empty homes tax got started.
1: The original uh, purpose for the, for the empty homes tax was to try to encourage uh, property owners with uh, vacant properties to rent out their properties and, and increase the housing supply because we do have a, uh, a bit of a housing crisis in Vancouver right now. Oh,
0: just a bit of one. Right. But has the empty homes tax actually been successful in attaining any of that goal?
1: Well, I definitely think we're we're seeing a lot of um, trends in the empty homes tax numbers. We'll be releasing our empty homes tax annual report later this month, which shows a lot of um, data from the uh, first couple of years of the empty homes tax, and we're definitely seeing some, uh, you know, trends that are are making us very optimistic that it's working as it as intended.
0: Okay, so if you're a homeowner, though, what are the basics that you need to know today?
1: The Empty Homes Tax Declaration opens today and uh, owners should be uh, looking to in their mailboxes over the coming weeks as we'll be uh, mailing them out in batches over the next couple of weeks. And if you are signed up for online access, uh, you can uh, log in and declare almost immediately. All right.
0: So there are still some people, believe it or not, who actually didn't file for last year, didn't fill out the form and let people let the city know kind of what their status is. And Melanie Kerr also has some words of advice for those people
1: would like to, you know, encourage everybody who has not yet declared for 2018 to get their declaration in quickly and also encourage everyone to sign up for online access. It's definitely the easiest way to receive all of your uh, property tax and empty homes tax information uh, without having to worry about waiting for the mail.
0: All right, so that is Melanie Kerr. She is with the Director of Financial Services at the City of Vancouver, but we wanted to talk more about the empty homes tax. So they're entering into their third year of this tax. But a lot has changed, right? Since the tax came into effect. It was Brought in by the previous uh, Vision Vancouver-dominated council, now you've got a whole new situation. Has anything changed? Has the feeling toward it changed? What could be happening on this? How has it been working? So we're joined now by Frances Beulah, who writes for the Global Mail extensively on city hall issues, and she's also you know been talking about the empty homes tax as well. Well, Frances, thanks so much for joining us to talk about this. First off, we're talking about the empty homes tax today. How successful do you think this measure has been for the city of Vancouver?
2: Well, I think there's two ways of measuring success. One is, it is it a political success? And I would say, by and large, yes, because people support it. Every poll shows that, uh, and so on. Um, and then, is it a financial success? You know, I'm waiting to see more results, because the only thing that we've had uh, since it started, the first year it was collected, was 2017. So we had a report sometime in 2018 that um you know gave some indication of what was going on uh but at that point they said well we're on we're supposedly going to get 38 million in revenue but we've only actually collected 20 million and we're still in you know auditing people and in dispute with uh, you know some of them and so on so i, I we're all waiting for Uh, The next uh, report to come out, which is going to come out um, uh, around November 19th, I think, uh, sort of saying, well, what what happened with the rest of 2017 and um, what what happened in 2018? Like, did they collect more revenue? Were there more disputes? Were there more audits? You know, things like that.
0: Right. Now this was a measure of the last government and of course this council is completely different. But does this council do you think continue to support this? Do they like the empty homes tax?
2: I haven't heard anyone suggest it should be rolled back. I mean we have heard about other things that um the you know these councillors have you know talked about rolling back like you know duplex zoning or uh, you know, uh, rental incentives and things like that. Uh, but I've, I haven't heard actually heard anyone talk about, uh, rolling back the empty homes tax. Hmm. And they are still politically popular. Yeah.
0: Huh. So they are collecting money. People are paying their empty homes tax because it seemed like it was such a steep price, you know, Mm $30,000 for some cases, and yet people are paying it. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I guess so, if they've decided that, they, that they're not going to rent uh, out their units. Now, I hear a lot of anecdotal stories about people scrambling to rent out at any price, you know, so they don't have to pay that tax um but uh no i i mean and i think uh they have to they they, it's not really an option once if they can't prove to the city that they're not empty homeowners and you know the last year when i went to fill out my form i i happened to go be at, at city hall so i went and did it there and i could hear some poor filipino man on the you know at the table next to me saying but i run a business here and i have 30 employees and this and that and everything else trying to um not get charged the tax i don't know how that all worked out but um you know ultimately if the city decides you don't have the documentation or the evidence to prove that you're living there um, you have to pay it just like you have to pay any other kind of property tax like it's not really an option
0: and it was so interesting though, wasn't it? Because in the beginning it just seemed like, oh wow, this new tax and there was people who were upset about it. But you're right, it does still it does seem to be politically popular. Like people seem to have accepted this as something that is needed in the city. Is that the impression that you get? Mhm. Uh
2: yeah, I mean politically it is very popular just, you know, I think it's an expression of people's concern about the housing situation and there is a little you know, sort of counter-movement of people who don't like it because they say it's kind of unfairly targeting, you know, Canadians, retired Canadians, someone who's living in White Rock and has a little kind of pied-à-terre in downtown Vancouver, living on the Sunshine Coast and coming in to visit grandchildren and, and go for medical appointments. And so there have been some, you know, concern about that uh, by a certain segment, but it certainly does not seem to be the majority concern. Uh, You know, people, uh, it, it just appears in every, from all the public reaction, every survey that's done that by and large people are supportive of the idea of people Uh, of of owners of properties who are not here full time who are using it as a second home or an investment or you know a part-time residence or whatever they pay
0: something extra right and of course affordable housing and availability has been such a huge issue has that changed with Mm -hmm. this particular council like does this council seem to be addressing this any more or less like what is your assessment of that
2: of affordability yeah i I mean i think uh, I, I think that's the number one concern because, um, you know, those who vote against um, housing projects uh, that have come before the city, like Adrian Carr or Gene Swanson, it's uh, when they express why they're doing it. Part of it is always this isn't affordable enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um you know that uh, there is also a concern about displacement of renters i would say that's actually the biggest change i've seen is that there's so much general concern on council about displacement of renters that the city has revised its policies to demand more mitigation efforts from any developer who's displacing a tenant to the point where developers are telling me we will not buy or we'll seriously hesitate before buying a property that has tenants on it really so that is a big change Mm -hmm. it is i I would say that's the, the the most significant thing that i've noticed in terms of a different attitude of this council compared to the last council And
0: you also had a huge story in the Global Mail this week about the big development uh, being proposed by the Squamish Nation down at the end of the Burrard Street Bridge. That's going to dramatically change it. And I guess the city can't really do anything about it, can they?
2: No. I mean, the city, they are going to have to, the the Squamish are going to have to contract with the city to, uh, you know, that's a bare patch of land under the Burrard Bridge. There, There's no sewer lines, no water lines, no roads, really. Uh, so they are going to have to contract with the city, and so maybe the city has a little bit of leverage. But quite frankly, if they try to hold up an indigenous development and nitpick them to death, I don't think that'll go over particularly well. Um, so no, the city really has no leverage. The, it, usually, the way things work in Vancouver is if someone comes in with a pitch for to rezone Oak Ridge or, you know, build a tower here or there. The city says, okay, well, we'll give you extra density. In return, you have to give us stuff, including, mm-hmm. you know, some subsidized housing units or something like that, social housing units. Well, they can't do that with the Squamish because the Squamish can just, they can go to 110 stories if they want. You know, right. that really is. I, I mean, I think it might be only airport regulations that might stop them from going too high. Um so the city doesn't have any leverage that way. Uh I mean I think they're going to be talking to them and the Squamish uh I think who while they sort of have they have this position that you know it's not our job, it's not our band's job to provide subsidized housing for the rest of you in Vancouver. Right. Um uh but I think that probably for their own image and uh, they'll they'll probably try to,
0: you know, have a mix of type of rentals in those buildings. Right. Do you think this is a bit of a precursor to what we might see out of the Jericho lands as well?
2: Mm, no, cuz they're not really similar cuz Jericho is subject to city zoning rules.
0: Ah, okay. So this so, is very different.
2: Yeah, yeah. So um, the, that's owned by what's called MST, like the three, the three bands and nations together, Musqueam, um, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish, uh, and they, they're uh, partly they're working with the federal government as well, like the federal government still plays a role in that one in the Heatherlands, you know, the old RCMP area behind Eric Hamber School, and also two bands who own the, broad, the Big Liquor Distribution Branch site on Broadway. So those are three big Indigenous-owned properties, but they are subject to city zoning laws.
0: Right. Overall, though, you've got these big projects where a lot, it seems like, is going to be changing in Vancouver over the next 5, 10 years.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, like big chunks of empty land um, that, you know, I think everyone has an interest in
0: maximizing for, you know, to provide housing in the city. So true. Francis. thank you. Thank you. That is Frances Bula. She, of course, writes for the Global Mail. She's their urban issues and politics writer. She covers a lot of city hall issues.